I think the biggest thing that we've had to learn is acceptance. So just learning to accept the present moment and being flexible with whatever happens. And there's a lot of things that we thought we were going to do that we haven't. And a lot of that comes down to just being okay with whatever we've been presented with and just having the flexibility to shift with that. And I believe personally as a leader that that's a really, really big quality that we need to have, particularly in what's happening at the moment around the world. Try this bad boy out for science. You are welcome to take a seat at the table where we use a new lens, where humanity are stakeholders. Different distinctions encouraged, intention starts from a no-judgment zone, a certain age is not criteria, and where you become comfortable with the uncomfortable to facilitate a new conversation. By the way, I think it's really appropriate that you're on today because... I'm bringing a little bit of Australia to the table, <laughs> being Australia Day, but you're kind of not in Australia. Yeah, I'm the Aussie who's not in Aussie. <laughs> I know, how funny is that? I have to say I never know really how to celebrate or not celebrate Australia Day because mm-hmm. I do feel very much so for the Aboriginals that were the original people of the land. And so I know for them, this is not always a great day for them to celebrate because their land was taken over. And so I do want to, you know, give a shout out to those that were the original people of the land. And particularly because my youngest has uh, very much Mm -hmm. Aboriginal blood in her. So, you know, it's it's very dear to, to me in my beautiful home. And then on the other side of it, I love the fact that so many Aussies love to celebrate with barbecues and sun and beach and take the time out and hang out with friends and family. So, you know, I think that's a good thing, whether they're celebrating Australia Day or not, like it's just good things. So I celebrate with you a little on making this a special day as well. Are you going to do anything special for Australia Day in New Zealand or is it just going to be another day? I'll be honest with you, it wasn't until this morning when I saw the date that I went, oh, it's Australia Day. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing. This Australia Day has a little bit of a, a celebration note for me because it's 25 years that I came to this country. And, yeah, so I have been, here's the good thing and the bad thing. I've been in Australia for longer than I have, you know, lived in, in New Zealand where I was born. And the bad thing is that even though I've been here so long, there is this cultural difference. And the cultural Mm -hmm. difference is if you come from New Zealand, you come to Australia, it is often really difficult for you to be accepted into the culture here. And I have Mm -hmm. to say I have struggled with that because I'm a stranger in New Zealand. And I'm a stranger in Australia often, although I'm getting I feel like I am 25 years later starting to be a little bit more ingrained and accepted in the Australian culture. But in the same way, I'm married to someone that reminds me, if not daily, whenever it comes up in a conversation that, yeah, you are a Kiwi. (laughs) (laughs) I get exactly what you mean there because 
It's actually the opposite for me. Like coming wow. here, everyone is just so friendly and so welcoming. Like even the other day, Caleb and I, we had this moment where we both had left our phones at home and we'd forgot to transfer money over to our card. And we went, oh, no, like we're at the shops. We need to go home and then come back. And it was funny because it was there was an old client of Caleb's there that just happened to be in the aisle next to us. And he came up to us and hasn't seen Caleb since, you know, he left New Zealand, which was, what, six years ago, and basically came up and was like, oh, congratulations, guys, you know, because he saw that I was pregnant and everything. And he's like, oh, it's okay. You know, don't worry about it. Taps his card and then just moves on. And I just kind of went, what? What just happened? That wouldn't happen in Australia. (laughs) But it's those little things that honestly, as Kiwis, we sort of just knew they're like, she'll be back if she wants to pay for that later. She can you know, like it'll come back to us. Like, and yeah. and when a lot of us Kiwis, because there's a couple of us, because I came over to do some training when I first came over, it was actually theological subjects and the creative subjects. So it's a combination. And there's a few of us celebrating our 25 years today. And it's, it's interesting because I remember at the time, you know, it was like, oh my goodness, you have to book before you go and see someone. You don't just rock up at someone's house. Yeah. They call this thing an esky. I knew it as a chili bin. They, mm-hmm. you know, f- you don't say, we call them flip-flops here. You call them jandals over there. You, There were things called bindies on the ground. Well, they were prickles in New Zealand. You know, like there was kind of these differences that are so subtle but made quite, even though it's both English countries, you know, as in as the main language, and, you know, there was almost language barrier and this cultural barrier coming from two countries that you would think were really similar yet very different. And it's interesting because as a Kiwi coming into Australia, it was very much a place where I struggled because I didn't like being a stranger. I want to be part of a tribe. I want to be part of a culture. And every time I turned around, I was almost literally reminded, guess what, you're a foreigner? Like, And that was really uncomfortable for me and has. And, in fact, that's why I love to travel across the world because I was accepted more. Here's the crazy thing. I was accepted more in cultures across the world than even going back to New Zealand. I didn't fit. I thought differently. They thought I had a funny accent and they were like, where are you from? And the hilarious thing, because Taki has a name Taki and he kind of fitted in, they go, where in New Zealand are you from? Which is the worst thing to say to an Australian, right? Where are you from in New Zealand? And so I would laugh because I'd be the foreigner coming into New Zealand and he would be the, you know, I love it. Alyssa's saying unified cultures. We are literally our ancestors' wildest dreams. We definitely are. It's crazy, right? And I know it sounds so simple, but it actually had quite an impact on me coming into a different culture and then traveling the world, seeing how, you know, I go to Fiji and they all think I'm Fijian. I go, you know, literally into the Amalfi Coast and because I use my hands all the time, you know, like they're like, you're very Italian. You're such part of our culture. And and I go, wow, I don't even speak the languages, but I feel more connected across the globe often 
And the US was the same for me. I know a lot of Australians can have a few thoughts around, you know, the USA and probably more so right now. But I've always had an amazing time in the USA because I have felt so accepted and fit in. And I love the fact that every state's like a little country and I get to fit in because I don't fit in, but I do fit in because everyone's different. <laughs> right? I 100% relate to that, 100%, like in just so many different ways. Like we actually, we have a family chat and the other day we were talking about going to the gala and they were saying, oh, <laughs> they said, oh, let's go. And it's like a fair. And it's going to be great. And I was like, oh, I hope they have show bags. And everybody in the family chat's like, what's a show bag? <laughs> I'm like, what? And I had to send them a picture of a show bag because they didn't know. And it's this yeah. whole thing I just feel like I don't, do not fit in, you know, when it comes to things like that. Like I'm just spot the Aussie, you know. <laughs> but being overseas, traveling and, you know, just being in all of these different spaces around the world, there were other people doing the same thing that we were. And it's like no matter where we went, there was always somebody who kind of got what we were doing. We weren't the weirdos that we are when we come home of like, <laughs> oh, what, you travel the world? What? <laughs> That's a foreign I know, Crazy, right? And it's the piece also that I really miss is that piece of when you've traveled the world, and you've seen so much across the world, when you come back into an environment where that's not the norm, it's really hard to relate. How's that been for you? Yeah, that was really tough when we first landed last year. I literally, yeah. and I was saying this to you the other day, I felt like I was a bird trapped in a cage. I just yeah. really felt this whole, what do I do with myself now? And it was really, really hard to find my footing again because it was this whole I had to learn to accept that this was the new reality now and that mm. there was no going and doing what I wanted when I wanted, which is so foreign to me because if I don't like something, if I don't like where I am, I'm like, I'm out of here. <laughs> that seems so light, but it's so true. It's like, okay, this is this is not really making me feel happy. Let's turn, let's get on a plane somewhere and let's go somewhere else. Let's do it. We took that for so much for granted in a lot of ways, right? Yeah. We truly did. So how are you now using that to go, well, how can I make this year, knowing that probably the borders aren't going to be opening across the world, opening us up, letting us out? How are you going to be that bird so that that bird's not so stuck in that cage but actually still thriving and making each day count? One of the things that I realized about me, and this is something my friends say to me all the time, is every time I get on the phone to you, Donna, you've got a story to share, like just mm. always, all throughout my life. And that was even before I went traveling, you know, right. I had all these dating stories and this and that, the other. So <laughs> I was like, well, I need to make this an adventure as well. And so I said to Caleb when we landed, and it was literally maybe about two weeks afterwards, I was like, well, if we're stuck here, why don't we just start our family earlier? And then when we're ready and we can go traveling, we can just take our family with us. And he was like, yeah, like we're not doing anything else. So let's do that. <laughs> not a bad little pastime if you have to be making a family, just saying. Well, yeah, it's one of those things where it's kind of like you're stuck at home anyway during that period. So we kind of figured, well, 
let's so you know, make it fun. <laughs> I was um, hoping that you would go down that that way because I knew that was definitely something you wanted to do at some stage. And I was like, I hope we get the news. And then when I saw that, I was so excited for you both. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping that we'd be able to share it, you know, publicly and I could just talk to you yeah. openly about it today. <laughs> so amazing. That, that's been a really big game changer for us because yeah. it's one of those things where I guess I kind of went, well, if I can't do that, then what can I do instead? Because I think that I know myself well enough that I'm one of those people that I always have to be moving, I always have to be cycling through. And I think the beauty of that is like, we still get to travel around New Zealand. We get to be with family. And this has been one of the absolutely amazing mm. things. Like I didn't know Caleb's family that well before we landed in New Zealand, you know, like this. You know, it was one of those awkward relationships where you're kind of like, oh, yeah. hey. you're like nice, but you're not just relaxed. Well, Ziggy's a little different. Come on, let's just get real <laughs> on the decision table. And Raylan, she's just beautiful, but like so, so focused and done so many amazing things with her world. But, you know, when that's not someone you hang out with or people that you hang out with all the time, there's little things that are very different to your world, right? That's it. So that must be huge bringing that and, 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 and how beautiful in some ways that you've been able to develop the relationship before you bring children into the yeah. sort of arena, right? Yeah, and it's kind of worked out perfectly because the more supportive family of the two of us. So, you know, yeah. we've landed in a place where we've really got that support. We know that they want to be part of our baby's life, you know, so there's a whole range of things that have happened that just we wouldn't have been able to do or be part of had this not have happened and that's including Caleb's brother's wedding this weekend you know we got to be there for the engagement and now their wedding so yeah and we we know them you know we actually got Mm. to for a month so again it was just another gift that at the time you know when we first landed we went oh why is this happening but then you know, in hindsight, now we can look back and kind of go, oh, well, these are the reasons why it happened. All of these things that we didn't know back then. So how can we, one of the things that I'm doing is having these daily conversations with different people every day. And I'm using it as a lens to what I think is so important, which is the need for a new approach to leadership, right? How can we take this into being more effective leaders? You know what I mean? Like using situations like this, and now going, okay, let's learn from that. Because I think that that's mm-hmm. often a thing that we don't do well as leaders. We sort of go to the next thing and then it might be a challenge. And, and a lot of a lot of old style leadership would have been we don't tell the world that challenge. We, we make sure that the world just knows us as the strong leader that's got it all together. Well, I don't know about you, but I've definitely not been that person all the time. Yeah, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> I have to say behavioural flexibility has been mm-hmm. the biggest thing. We certainly had plans. So we, we went on this whole trip last year where we went, okay, we'll leave in, you know, a couple of months when COVID goes and then a couple of months went by and it didn't go. And then we're like, oh, it'll be gone by like August, September. And then August, September came and it didn't go. And in fact, we had it another way. <laughs> <laughs> and so I kind of said to Caleb, I'm like, why don't we just stay? You know, why yeah. don't we just ride it out and stay and I think the biggest thing that we've had to learn is acceptance so just learning to accept the present moment and being flexible with whatever happens and there's been a lot that's happened you know we had to postpone our wedding 
you know, we stopped our traveling plans. You know, there's a lot of things that we thought we were going to do that we haven't. And a lot of that comes down to just being okay with whatever we've been presented with and just having the flexibility to shift with that. And I believe personally as a leader that that's a really, really big quality that we need to have, particularly in (laughs) what's happening at the moment around the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because there's a lot of uncertainty and it's almost like I I talk about the fact that we have to be kind of certain in an uncertain world and, and what can that be? And I think the certainty is that the core doesn't change. In other words, those dreams, those you're still going to be married and I hope you still do a wedding in, I mean, you are married, but like even do like the next wedding, the proper wedding in Bali or a celebration of how many years time we're allowed to do these things or whatever. (laughs) But, you know, like it doesn't change those things. Our core vision doesn't change. We just have to kind of like navigate a different behavior to be able to, to get that happening. And I think that's, how did you say it? You said it in such a beautiful way. I really liked it. Was it adaptability? No. What did you say? behavioral flexibility and acceptance totally not what I said so yes that it's amazing like I just think talk about that more like what does that look like there's there's a lot of things that that looks like that looks like booking our wedding two years in advance and having our whole family say you're being crazy COVID's not going to last that long and now saying to us oh now we understand why you did that (laughs) yes because we've rebooked it for next year Oh wow! Um, we're, now, we're now kind of going on. Oh, maybe we need to rethink that as well. Another two years. Oh, how crazy is that, right? Yeah. yeah. But again, we're kind of like we're just going with it, you know. And we kind of said, even if that happens, you know, maybe then we might have to push it back another two years because mm-hmm. you know we might want to have our second one by then. So like, right. we're kind of just going with whatever happens and just really flowing with that. But I think one of the biggest things that was really challenging to manage last year was also we had our own personal challenges of coming to grips with the fact that things had changed. Mm-hmm. But then Caleb and I both individually run businesses. So then all of our clients had that too. And we were the go-to people. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I heard so, that story a lot last year. Yes. Yeah. It was that whole, <laughs> I have to remain calm in the storm, even though I yeah. feel like everything's a storm at the moment. Which felt really challenging, honestly. And 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 did you work through that? Have you worked through it? Are you working through it now? Like, what does that look like now? I think now it's a lot better. Last mm. year was really tough, honestly. I really hit that burnout point by the end of last year, where oh, I got you to- and fifty million other people. Yeah. Seriously, like <laughs> seriously, I could not believe, and myself included in this, because if you were in leadership. What happened was everyone was giving out of, and by the end of the year, we had nothing, nothing to give out of. We were all exhausted. I, you know, like I just felt like I'd never worked so hard as I did that year. Yeah. And I was like, I remember I got to Christmas Day. I served my family because we were in total isolation because we were on the northern beaches and that was a hot zone. And I had been at the gym once with my son that happened to be one of the hot zone gyms even though they weren't there at the time that I was there but we were on total lockdown over that time and so I just served my family on Christmas day and I said after that for the next two days I said I'm sitting on my bed I'm watching Netflix 
If you need me, that's where I'm going to be. I'm not cleaning up after you. I'm not making any food, but that's where I am. And I just literally collapsed. And I, you know, I, that's that's just a story that I heard a lot of leaders going, you know, it was exhausting. We gave out of what we could. And here's the thing. Then it was like my brain went, if we're all feeling like this, and COVID's not going away overnight, so we've still got to serve our clients, we've still got to give out to our communities, how do we sustain this? And I really went into this space of how will I do that and then how will I make sure that how I'm doing it, that I'll help others to be able to refuel. And, and part of that was these things which... I believe is part of this new approach to leadership and that's curating spaces. And I say this because I have even learned and I'm using our global aspects, right? And I'm going, what was it that I loved about traveling the world beyond connecting with cultures and learning insights and all those sort of things? There were amazing environments that I loved being in. One of my favorites was always going to a, finding a, kind of a bookstore cafe. I don't know how best to explain it, but it's like a cafe in the middle of a bookstore and you're surrounded by books and you can sit have your coconut latte, grab a book and sit down. And I thought, what if I curated a space in our new home where that could be it? So downstairs, I'm curating a library. That's our lounge. There's no screens in there. There's just books. There's a coffee machine where you can grab your coffee and there's a big lounge and I want to get some bean bags and I'm curating a space. My office is exactly the same where there, this is where I have conversations, this area here. On this table over on the other side is where I sit with my colored pencils, my pens, my pencil, and I just create, I innovate, I put together different things. Over there is a training area. So I've literally curated spaces. And I think that that has helped to curate in throughout this year. One of my projects is to curate spaces throughout the whole house. So I want to do like maybe a Japanese flavor in, in the bedroom, right, kind of thing. And just some of those beautiful places that I've had the privilege to, to go and enjoy. And it changes how you feel when you're in those spots, right? I'm just, I'm just saying this, imagining Taki walking into your bedroom going, oh, you've been busy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like one day, here's a crazy story. One day we were in, we lived in five a dock and, or five dock. And one day he went out, one night he went out. I changed, I think it was the lounge in the bedroom or something. And he went, he says this story. He went to get on the bed and it was the dining table or something. So, you know, it's one of those moments where, you just totally shift. But curating moments, I think, is just so important in leadership and in your own. So taking where we don't always have a lot of time, but we've got a little bit of time. What are we doing with that? How do we fill that up? What are some of the things that you you will do to keep refueling this year so you can sustain it and not get burnt out by the end of the year or even halfway through the year? It's actually interesting what you were saying before about curating spaces because I actually thought the same way of thinking and mm. so I thought, well, what is one of the things that I really loved about traveling? And 
for me, it's swimming. I love the ability to sit out by the pool and to swim and all of that sort of thing. And so swimming is something that I'm now integrating into my life now of being here. And yeah, it's not the same as being in Bali and, <laughs> you know, being outside and all the rest of it, especially in New Zealand where it's quite cold in the south. But, oh. you know, I'm going and I'm, you know, hanging out with the, so I go to the aqua aerobic classes and it's got all the old people there. I was going to say, is it the generation that is the older ones there? Wow. Go yeah. you. But I mean, everybody is lovely, you know, when you go to somewhere like yeah. that and especially at the moment, you know, because they can see that I'm pregnant now. So they're like, oh, well, you know, when are you due? That sort of thing. So it's actually really quite lovely. And I think it's just really, yeah. I don't know, reframing all of this in a way that's going to work for us. So we have this beautiful four bedroom house now. Caleb and I have never had a house this big in our lives. Like when we met, wow. we lived in a small apartment and then we went traveling and lived in hotels. So we've never actually had a home. This is our first home. So we've got to decorate it how we want and have the luxuries that you don't get when you're traveling. You yeah. know, and you probably understand that more than anybody that there's certain things you don't get while you're traveling, you know. Wow. So like an office, you know, I've started decorating my office. Not that you can really tell. <laughs> I've got a little thing over there. Oh, that's cute. That's cute. I love it. I'm still working on it. First trimester, I wasn't doing much at all. So yeah. Yes, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So curating your own space so that you feel happy in it, right? And that you're going to thrive in it. And you just look over like, behind here those that black thing there is actually blinds and if I open that up which I do when I'm over on my training desk I can see the ocean mm. and I love the ocean the water right so that makes me feel good and I've got more to give out on when I'm feeling good as well that's it yeah, yeah. so it's little things like that it's appreciating New Zealand New Zealand's a really really beautiful country it's so like, a beautiful country yeah yeah just in January alone we've gone we went up to Wanaka for New Year's we went to Wellington we're going up to Queenstown this weekend for Kayla's brother's wedding so like between all of that we're really making the most of being here as well you do realize I'm jealous of you because embarrassing enough I've seen more of the world than I have New Zealand and I've never been to the South Island Oh, I know. I know, yeah. I know right? <laughs> anyway, that's another story. <laughs> I've been the north and the south, and I'd have to say the south is different. I know, I know. I studied it. I studied it. It looked amazing, <laughs> and I've always dreamt to take my children on a trip down there, and I'm like, well, at least if the border's open to New Zealand and Australia, I could come down there and do that because, yeah, that's always been a dream of mine to, to yeah. come and just see some of the beautiful landscape like I just you know ah just so gorgeous so at least oh. you're getting to see New Zealand and you get to travel there and refuel with things like that right okay let's dive deeper what are you seeing with clients how are they coping with the challenges with you know I'm sure that there's been people within your community who have felt caged in as well how do you definitely. how are you seeing that what are you seeing them doing it's definitely been a tricky one for them as well and the thing is is like I'm super aware that my energy impacts their energy like yeah. it just does you know and I think that the fact that my energy wasn't up up last year you know it yeah. did have an impact and I own that 100% and I think for them as well, like I definitely noticed for them 
there were things that we had to work through. Like one of my clients, she was on the precipice and we'd been working so hard to get her here of leaving her job and she had resigned and everything. And two days later, COVID sent out this thing. Ended up this thing about COVID saying, you know, sorry, it's not happening. And she had plans to go travel the world and to leave her job and everything. And so (laughs) there was this whole grieving process that we had to go through of, you know, all of these plans and these dreams and things that both of us have been working really hard collectively together to get it, you know, into. Then we had to kind of go back and let her grieve for that and be okay with the fact that this plan wasn't going to happen. And then get into the space of like, well, once a certain amount of time has passed, COVID's not going to go anywhere. So how long are you going to let COVID be an excuse? And this is a thing that I had to go through with a lot of clients. It can't be an excuse anymore. There's got to be a moment where we go, all right, it's happened. It's not great. What's next though? You know, and I think that was probably where a lot of my energy went towards the end of last year, you know, kind of getting them to that space of like, all right, well, this has been months now. So, (laughs) you know, we we can't keep thinking this is going to end at some point. And I think that that's been a really big thing for a lot of people. It really depended where my clients were in the world though, as well, I found. And I don't know if you found this too, but like the ones who are in Melbourne really struggled, you know, because they they were on lockdown for so long too, right? Yeah, that's it. They had such a long, mm. harsh lockdown that, like, the mental health component of it was just so, so oh. huge. The other thing yeah. we noticed was, like, our work changed as well. So a lot of yeah. Caleb and I, at the time, because we do relationship coaching, you know, outside of our own individual businesses, we had a lot of couples coming to us during that time because <laughs> their partners were driving them mad. And well, how many, how many split up during that time was pretty interesting as well, right? Like, at, you know, a lot of relationships you thought would make it mm. when, when pressured to be in the same environment, you know, like maybe a partner travels a lot and the other one was home a lot, then all of a sudden they're right on top, like literally the whole time. And, uh, you know, it was quite an interesting thing to watch that gosh, you must have seen some interesting things come out of that. Let's go back to the mental health. I think that's such a good point of yours around the mental health. And I think that we have to be aware of that as leaders. And then how are we going to make sure that we build a culture going forward that is not just aware of this, but able to work with it, not against it? Got any thoughts around that? My first thing around it was I said to everybody who I worked with, I'm not going to reframe this for you, you know, and I think part of it was like just accepting. Part of it was just accepting. Tell him to say hi. Oh, is it his pajamas? Oh, no, once he's got dressed, say hi. Yeah. <laughs> Although pajamas, we do anything on the air, so we're all good. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, I interrupted. Yes. No, no, that's okay. I don't know where I was going now. Oh, yes, that's right. So one of the things was like not trying to reframe it for them. I think yeah. there's enough people trying to be like, oh, it'll be okay or COVID be over soon or whatever, that they just need to be heard, I think, yeah. was a really big one last year. And then it kind of felt like there was a tipping point for this. And I don't, I can't explain it, but there was an energy that I felt that I was yeah. just like, okay, well, I need to shift this and I know that they need to shift this too. And there's a point of, like no longer getting in, you know, down the rabbit hole because we could keep on going down the rabbit hole of this is awful, when's it going to be over, all of this sort of thing. Yeah. 
And where does that stop kind of thing? So, but again, that was dependent on where that person was in the world. Some of my clients, I could shift with a lot quicker when it came to mm-hmm. mental health because they weren't trapped. You know, people in Perth weren't trapped. So it was okay to start exploring what the next thing was. People in Melbourne, I had to be a bit more caring and I guess tender with because I couldn't possibly understand what it's like to be in lockdown for that many months at a time. Yeah. You know, so I yeah. guess it was really... Oh, you say some really good points around that. Sorry. I just I want to make sure that we get that because I think there's that, okay, there's situations where we can we can go, hey, this is what's next. Let's look at next and they're ready to move to next. But I think you really, you pressed on a point that's so important is that not everyone's ready to move on that journey and we need to do it in a way that maybe, and I think that even... I saw this a, a huge amount, right, with with clients across the world that, especially working with leaders across the globe, that, you know, where it was huge leaps before COVID that we could do in our work, it became much smaller shifts. Mm-hmm. And that pathway, although we were still moving in a forward movement, and in some cases we were really moving forward quite fast, those were much smaller steps to move faster on. I think that's why we got so tired, right? Like we're taking so many steps in this little space of moving forward. And in other cases, you know, it was, and I I had to deal with this in one of my companies. So the company, you know, the leadership side of it was like, I built a lot of relationships face-to-face. And then it was collaborative partnerships that we were going to run things like retreats. We were literally about to to open up to a whole new array of things with some of the partnerships I'd worked on with for quite a while. And it was so exciting. And we were going to run these things. I was going to pop in. We were going to do all these things. Oh, my gosh, can't do that now, right? How do I build those? How do you build out collaborative partnerships that are all built online? And then what does that look like on the back end of it? And it was like everything in my world turned upside down in that way. And so I had to go, well, if I was putting the next step and then the next step and then the next step, what would that need to look like? Mm -hmm. And so even that had to come back down to going, how do I build this out and then bring it out like this? So, you know, I think that's mental health. If we go back to that, we just sometimes have to just go, hey, this is the pathway forward. We want you to come on that journey with us. And we know that everyone's at a different pace, but mm-hmm. here's some small steps. Here's yeah. some small steps that can help you move from that. We, But I think the one thing, and I spoke on the decision table can't remember what day it was but with Mary and we talked a lot about addiction she works with um rehab and you know and of course over this time it's increased the problems and the issues that they're seeing and so it's been really full-on but I think the biggest lesson that we got out of that was this seeing humans as humans first and realizing that there's a challenge called addiction in their life Mm. And I think that with mental health is not seeing them, oh, my goodness, if you've got depression, seeing that's a depressed person, but seeing them as a person that's got a challenge called depression and how do we make sure 
that you're working at the pace that you need to, that's going to benefit you and those that are in your world. Absolutely. Well, actually, as you were talking about addiction, one of the things that I've certainly worked through a lot last year with my clients was emotional addiction. So actually looking at, you know, because one of the things we do is as human beings, we live so much in the past, you know, that past thing happened and everything stems from that past thing. And so one of the things that I'd have to say to them is this is your present moment right here. COVID happened, you know, over here. And at the moment, your decisions right now are being based by this thing that happened over here. So you're letting your past dictate what's happening in your future now. What we need to do is we need to bring things back to the present so that we can now let the present start to dictate the future. Mm. And this is something that we had to kind of go through a lot because I think the more and more that you stay in a certain emotion and anxiety seemed to be the one that a lot of people went to stay in last year. Understandably, yes. Yeah, (laughs) understandably. It's human, right? Mm. But that was one that we could easily get addicted to and we had to be really, really aware that emotional addiction wasn't something that was going to start taking over because if it was, that would be something that would stop us moving forward in the future. So it was this really fine balance I found of being respectful of where that person was at but then also being really, really aware of what would be happening underneath the surface and not allowing them to get stuck in all of that, you know, because I really wanted to see them, you know, shift and move forward as well. And so it's just for like a juggling act. Yeah. Give us an example of how you've done this. Yeah. So I guess that was probably our decision that we made in August, September last year, where we decided to stay in New Zealand and we decided Mm. to, to have our baby and get married. <laughs> we did a lot in the last few months of last year. <laughs> you made um, the most of it. I really did <laughs> because it literally got to about August, September, and I said to Caleb, I feel like I'm living my life with the hold button on. Like yeah. we won't do anything until X, Y, Z happens. And I'm like, I'm really sick of living like this. So stuff it. Let's just make a decision. You know, let's just move into this house, get married, start a family, and, you know, We'll deal with whatever comes next. And that's what we did. And everything started rolling really quickly after that. We got married in October. We fell pregnant the month after. Crazy. The month after. So it just kind of, yeah, <laughs> it started spinning really quickly. Yeah, and it was because you came back from not what was stopping you but going, hey, what have I got in my hand? What have I got? Like what can I be present to now as my starting point to go from here, how's that going to direct my future? I think that's such a good way to say it. And definitely, you know, it's funny because I don't often talk. Well, I do. So I, I lie a little on this one because I do actually talk to a lot of people because I search these people out. But if I look at everyday people, I don't often see this. And this is, and I mean everyday, the people that sort of are in the, the world around you all the time kind of thing. And, and this is future thinking because now you're talking, let's not, I like to learn from my past, but I definitely don't like staying in there. Mm-hmm. I like to be present because we can learn so much from being present and it's our next, that's our starting point to our next stepping stone. But I have to say there's a huge part of me that loves being in the future mm-hmm. and imagining what that can be look like and 
creating pathways that I know I'm going to get there, even though I'm not there yet. And I realized that not a lot of people think like that because they're trying to cope with what's here now. And I know, though, that you, Caleb, do like to think a bit in the future. And I'd love to ask you, what do you see once borders are open, you know, life moves on? What do you see is the advantage that now has created for you to now go and do and you can see a different pathway forward? Yeah, we already, so we know exactly what we want to do once the borders open. I know. Queensland. <laughs> wow. So we have this vision of our lives that's very much, you know, we're going to go live in Queensland in the Sunshine Coast. we very much about the energy of where we live, both of us. And we see that energy as being able to, you know, go down to the cafe with our little one, go down to the beach and then, you know, do a couple of hours worth of work and kind of take the baby in shifts. That's how we see things happening. The beautiful thing about that is that there's a direct flight from Brisbane to Dunedin so we can come yeah. back and see family. You know, so there's a whole heap of really lovely things there. And I think, you know, when we do get to that point in time, I think it's just going to be a whole new level of gratitude because it won't be, and not that we weren't ever grateful for our lives before, but I think it would just be on this whole new orgasmic level of gratitude because it's just so foreign and different to, I guess, what we've ever experienced before. Caleb and I are very much the sort of people, if we don't like something, we get up and go and we just don't stuff around with it. And this has been the first time we've been forced to, you know, we don't like the cold. (laughs) We've been forced to stay in the cold. We could go up north, but we kind of figure what's the point in doing that, you know. Well, when family's down there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we do definitely know what we're going to be doing in the future. And I guess that the other thing that this has been really good for us for is we've been really the last year focusing on building our financial investments and that sort of thing. So that's been a really big thing that we've never focused on before because prior to COVID hitting, we actually just, you know, and I'm really, really open with this about you know, with everybody, we didn't care about saving. <laughs> we yeah. just went and we traveled the world and we had a good time and I don't yeah. regret it at all. Like we yeah. had this really, really fun time. But being in the present moment actually got us to start thinking about the future mm-hmm. and got us to start thinking, well, it's all good to do that, you know, for now while it's just us two and we're having fun, but it's not probably the best thing for our family moving forward. And so we've really started investing in things and already we're seeing so many rewards from that. Um, And that's been a really huge thing for us. It's been a really massive goal for us, you know, as a young couple to get to this space bigger than we ever have before. And not just from, you know, what we make in our businesses, but what we can, you know, do outside of that. And we've found all of these things that we didn't know were possible to us. And mm-hmm. it's been a really, really cool experience from from that perspective. And that present decision that we've made now is already impacting our future, you know. So yeah. now when we go back to Australia, we can start investing in property and this and that and the other. So there are big goals that we can kind of see that are now already forming for that time whenever it does happen and we're not attached to it. So good. And I think, you know, the interesting thing around that is that you're really learning the ability to have an ecosystem rather than just one, this is what we're doing, this is how we're thinking. It's it's this expansion of your capacity then 
to even do all those travel and all the different things, but also be able to keep building, you know, if you don't want to be spending all your day working with clients, if you've got investments that are still continuing bringing in finances as well, that you know that you can keep doing and growing everything that you're doing as you're going forward. And I think it's not often taught about that. You kind of have oh, yes, you've got to build this business and, you know, this means lots of hours and lots of, but it's like, what if there's other aspects of your life that you want to balance out and one of them being, you know, you want to spend more time with your new baby that's going to be coming, you know, and as a family unit, you want to still travel the world. So how do you build what you need to do and what does that need to look like? And I think if we can, as leaders, realise that, we are not just one facet people. We are just not. I think that that's an interesting thing because I think you said something, you guys have your own individual companies or businesses, but like you do relationship coaching together. And it's like, well, because that's important to you to have a strong relationship with each other and obviously with a new baby when it comes. And you want to share that as part of what you're doing. And I think if we can share more of the human side of us, the bits where, you know, what do I think of when I think of design? Like I think you can design the way that you use your, you know, you know me, the muscle of human intelligence, and then you can design really innovative solutions, but then you can design spaces that really help you to fill that up. And and so design is really important to me, right? And that's oh, a part, I have in common. <laughs> part of, but that's the thing, like, and I think for a long time, I've been kind of this, this leader that, that has only bought part of what I bring to the table, not the everything. I'm, I'm one of those weird ones that work with left and right brain. And I've bought a lot of my, which one is it? Is it a right brain where you're that analytical, the logical, I always forget which side, dyslexic. So it's probably the opposite side to what I think. But anyway, I'm sure it's that. And I've left out a lot of the creative side of me. But I realize that I want to bring that and engage what that looks like within what I build because I, then I feel like that opens up for other leaders to think more innovative, to think more creative, to, to really go, if we were designing this as a design thing, what would be the vision board that you would start building out first or the tray of things that need to go in that tray to start even thinking about what that looks and that might be having different people at the table what would they need to look like it might be different conversations what's that piece look like you know like start thinking of it in a really different way what did you why were you smiling what did that conjure up for you oh no it was it was around the design aspect, actually, when you said that, because that's actually part of when you were saying that we wear many hats and we have, you know, the analytical side and we have the creative side. It's mm. been very much something that's been coming up again as a result of COVID, where I said to Caleb a long time ago, I'm like, one of my dreams is to, you know, design like a beautiful little villa in Bali or to go and mm. decorate houses and do, you know, a bit of designing around houses and that sort of thing. You know, and it's something that's a dream, but also it requires, you know, us to have the finances to do that sort of thing. Yeah. And so this is kind of what this part of our life is about. It's building that mm -hmm. so that later on in the future, you know, I can go and use that other hat that you were talking about that is probably the more creative side because at the yeah. moment 
it is super analytical, the work that I do. It's, you know, what's the behavior behind why that person's doing that thing? And I'm always thinking about the code of human behavior. And there's this other part of me that's kind of screaming out going, oh, I'd love to get into that and to creative. So when you said that, I really resonated with it. (laughs) Well, here's the thing. That's what I'm doing. Like I created this space behind me. That's part of those that using that creativeness to bring out. I always had imagined the decision table like this. I just never had created the space yet of what that looked like. And so using that as part of what I'm creating and I'm using that as part of my refueling this year, right, is to create those spaces and and to design things and to have it. So keep watching this space because there's more creative things coming out of this year than ever before in my world. Okay, here's the cool thing. If people want to know more about what you're doing, Donna, how do they get hold of you? So there's two ways, basically. Either just look me up, Donna Lassar. You can find my email. uh, Sorry, you can find my website. You can find me on social media that way. I also run a group called Amplify Her Business, which at the moment I'm doing a nine-day free training in, which the girl's absolutely loving. So it's basically just working with people, you know, doing a training every day based on their questions. And it's actually been really, really fun. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Having a great time doing that. No, sounds so good. So when you hear the need for a new approach to leadership, what does that bring up in you? It's actually been, when I think about it, I think there's a lot of what I found this year is that social media, because I've always been an online business, even before, you know, all of COVID. You do that way better than I have, because I have (laughs) not been. (laughs) But I found the online space really changed when COVID Mm. hit and it just felt like there was a lot of copycats and there was a lot of, yeah, it just felt really inauthentic. And for a while there, it really, really turned me off social media, which was tough because I built my whole business on. (laughs) Yeah, that's why Um, you went kind of quiet. I did notice there was kind of this quiet space and I wasn't used to Donna being quiet on the social media. Yeah, yeah. That was a really big part of it. I'd also had some big personal stuff happening at home, but that was a big part of it too was that, yeah, I just didn't really feel like showing up. I was like, I I really like to speak from my heart and I felt like I was getting lost in a sea of the same sort of messages. And I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that it's really important to speak from a really, from a heart and soul space. You know, whenever I write a post or I share something from that space is when I get the most engagement with people and where I feel like I get seen the most. Yeah. Whenever there's a moment of I should just write it for the sake of showing up online, which is kind of where I got to last year because I just yeah. felt like, oh, what's Well, you point? just had to deliver it and get it over and done with. Yeah. Yeah. When it got to that point, I noticed the engagement went down. And so I think at the moment with the online space growing as much as what it has, the way to stand out in the online space is to really just talk about the stuff that people aren't necessarily talking about, which is one of the things that I love about you is that you just get down to the real raw cracks of it. And it's kind of like, no, 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 I don't want to know about that. Like, how are you as a person? And it's like, oh, okay, let's go there. (laughs) But it's not that hard for us to do, yet it seems really hard for us to do, right? And like you said, it's not the normal. Like 
the one thing I've found by doing these conversations, I've done them every day since the beginning of January. And what has been interesting about it, that the common thread within all of it is we need more of these kind of conversations. Seems so simple in theory for us just to get on here, press live. Like if you notice, I didn't even do the pre, hey, how are you doing? What's happening? I want to do that online. I want us to connect online as human beings. And the other thing I don't do, and this is intentionally, is go, well, who are you, Donna, and what do you do? Because all of a sudden, you know, so many leaders, that's where the identity comes from. But it's so not the deepness, the learnings, the insights. We don't get from that, but we get from getting to know Donna. And what does Donna actually think? What is she seeing? And we look through different lenses. That's not that hard to do if you choose to do it. Yet it becomes kind of difficult when social media says you need to say it a certain way, you need to sound a certain way. There is a lot of noise. How do you see us doing that well in more of these conversations? I think it's just really talking about the real things that are happening for us. You know, like I've been really real with you today about, you know, what's changed in our lives, what's happened for my clients, you know, some of the challenges, Mm. some of the ways that I've had to really shift my mindset around things. But it hasn't been from a perspective of, you know, oh, this is the mask version and you do it from ABC and this is where you can find me and blah, 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 blah. And, (laughs) you know, I think that that's, and when, by the way, when I jumped on here and you didn't do an intro, I wasn't surprised at all because I was like, oh, that's, that's so Kira Marie. Like, she's just going to throw me in there. That's all good. Let's do this thing. <laughs> that's good that I'm predictable in that way. Yeah. You're <laughs> predictably unpredictable. Exactly. Well, you know, got to keep uh, that up. I would hate to change that too much. No, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> But I think um, like that's, yeah. that's probably the thing is like just talk about the real raw things that are happening. Don't try and put on this mask of things because right now more than ever, people really need to feel that human connection in a space where we're yeah. not feeling connected. Yeah. It's actually one of the reasons I brought you on here and said, hey, do you want to be on here? Because I knew that you would just be the real. And often I get, because a lot of leaders that I know, are quite directive, quite decisive, and it's not that you're not, but you bring this gentleness yet firmness to the table. And I wanted to be able to share that with the world today because I think, again, that's just another perspective of, you know, seeing it from your side. And and I love almost this, it's almost like, honestly, you're like kind of like an angelic kind of person, like as in, you know, you come with this, this, and I just go, I think we need more of that ah, in our worlds, right? Like, and I'm so grateful for that and for you bringing that. I do ask, you know, because you know me, I've got to ask a question before we, we finish up, but that the same question I do ask on every call, every conversation is this, what are you taking from today, our conversation? What is it that, you know, maybe it's a deeper insight, maybe it's a new learning, maybe it's something that's just reaffirmed. What is it you're taking from from our conversation today? There's something that I've actually been, <laughs> this might sound actually a little bit shallow, but 
Something that I've been thinking about recently is I want to start connecting with people a little bit more and doing more interviews because, you know, I think like, you know, this is just reconfirmed that today having conversations with people, you just don't know where that conversation is going to go. And, you know, I think that we activate different things in each other and different, you know, thoughts and feelings about things. And I love seeing that activation come up. And I've certainly noticed that as you've been talking to me today, that there's certainly been things that have been activated in me and in you. You know, there's been moments where your face kind of go, oh, yeah, I want to talk about that. That, you know, this conversation wouldn't have gone that way without the two of us activating one another. Exactly. And so I think the thing that this conversation has brought to me is that confirmation that I really want to jump in and do some more interviews with people this year. Yeah, I love that. And I think um, for me what it's brought up is just that I really love the we learn from the past. It's that reminder. We learn from the past, so we leave that behind. But our present and then the next piece also is that we bring in where we want to head for the future. And I think I know that I do a lot of that in my world, but I don't really train a lot around that. So I think that it would be fun to investigate that more and to see what that that would mean if I was bringing that into my training more and into what I'm doing because I think that's when we get to work in left and right brains and we can be this analytical, this this very logical and strategic side, but also bring in the design and the creative and really it's almost like those worlds have clashed a lot in the past or I've left it out and what it's kind of reconfirmed the the power of combining those and then so using that as part of so my brain goes into patterns using the pattern of what we just talked about the past the presence the future but also bringing that in and combining the power of the left and the right and I go what if I kind of put that together what could I come up with and so that's what I've got out of today and I know you get that even if no one else on the school does but um, you know I love to work with the patterns and figure out okay if that's a great pattern that's part of us as a facet of us this is another part over here how can we combine those things and actually take that and use that to be even more effective as a leader going forward. And I think, you know, that's, again, today, just some amazing little droplets of wisdom that this conversation has given us where we can be more effective as leaders. We can take this forward and go, how can we not just do the old way of doing things but be present, take that into the future of leaving really behind you know, a leadership that is opening doors for the next generation and the generations to come. And you're you're adding your little flavor to the next generation and bringing in the next generation and start building a future for both you and Caleb as well, like together and as individuals and as a mom and a dad. I think there's so much exciting things to look forward to in the pathway forward, even in uncertain times, right? even in uncertain times. So I want to thank you. I want to thank you for being here. I want to thank you for what you do in your work with the woman. I want to thank you for giving out and serving 
woman when even when maybe you didn't feel like it last year even when those moments right when you didn't think i i don't have anything in the pot i think when leaders are willing to stand up and just to keep going because you know it's worth it that it could be just one life that you did that for or one person's world that changed because you believed in them you had their back even when you thought there was nothing left in the pot and i hope that this year for both you caleb that you guys keep refueling what that looks like for you and because i know that as you fill up the cup and i think this is for any leader that as you fill the cup up we've got more to give out from and that's why i was very really looking for what are the things that refuel me so that i have more to give out from and i think if we can all do that it's so powerful. So thank you for being you and, for all, and coming on the decision table, being willing to just go for it and have a conversation. I really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. It's been really, really cool. I Like when you asked me, I was like, yeah, I get to have a chat with you. <laughs> I know, right? For me, it's just good excuses to catch up with friends. Yeah. I really like it. <laughs> all right, um, yeah, yeah, I know. So funny. I'm going to end this broadcast, but don't you go anywhere, all right? I want to say. I want to catch up with you where the world doesn't listen to us. All right. <laughs> Bye, world. Good to be on the decision table today. If you're wanting to make sure that you don't miss out on this, then go over to YouTube because we've got no followers there right now. So we want some people subscribing to YouTube and to help us build that out. So awareness is the first place. If we can get the word out, share this, love this, and what a privilege having Donna here on the decision table today. So bye world. See ya. Amazing droplets of wisdom for you from today's episode. Make sure you subscribe, ensure you leave an awesome rating and review. Our hope is this podcast creates a new awareness, activates ownership to what is next, a curiosity for the need to be part of the change and to make footsteps of sustainability from today onwards. If you want to further your journey with us, then apply to join us at our next Leaders Movement Parlay. The link is in the show notes. We appreciate you. Help us to help build a tribe who make humanity as stakeholders. To achieve this together, recommend this podcast to leaders, innovators, and movement changers. Big love until we see you on the next Decision Table Series podcast episode.